God, we thank you for this passage of scripture that has been read to us. We pray, Lord, that as we reflect upon it, that your spirit would speak to each one of us and that we would understand what this means for us as individuals and for our congregation. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the question I want to ask you is, what is the most important role in a church, in a congregation? What is the most important role? Is it the preacher? Well, I would hope that the The preaching of the word is important. It is good to hear a sermon. But I wouldn't say that uh, it is the most important role there is. And I know this from experience. Uh, Quite a few years ago, Amanda and I went on a cruise. And when we came back, we actually got snowed out and we got stuck in New York City. And I had to to call the the deacons and say, I'm not going to be able to make it for Sunday. Uh, you know, I had completely planned on preaching that Sunday, and I had to call them on Saturday saying, it, it's not going to happen. We cannot get a flight back to Canada. And so uh, one of my deacons uh, preached that service. Now, here's the part that gets me. There was a gentleman in our congregation who, as soon as I would start preaching, would immediately fall asleep. Now, I would say that it's because I have this lovely, calming voice and that it had nothing to do with the content of my sermons. But anyways, the wife of this man, he, uh, she told me that when this deacon preached that Sunday, he was able to stay awake for the whole service. And uh, I tried not to take that too personally. So even if here, if I called and said uh, at 9.30 in the morning, I am terribly sick, I can't come in, I can't preach, you could still have a worship service. We could have a a time of of singing, there could be a time of prayer and Bible readings, there could be uh, testimonies, there's all kinds of things that could happen, even if I didn't show up. So what about the musicians? Are the musicians the most important role here in the congregation. Well, we are so blessed to have some really talented musicians. I am so glad that we have each one of them here, and we are definitely blessed by them. But did you know that there are congregations that never use musicians? Not because they don't have anyone who can play a musical instrument, but they just choose to sing a cappella every Sunday. And so we could still have a service even if we didn't have a musician. Now, I want you to imagine that we had a church where we had the top preacher, the top musicians in this congregation. What would happen if we had that and the person who was greeting and handing out bulletins, that this is how they greeted someone? Here, take the stupid bulletin and don't forget to put money in the plate. Now, what would happen if we had that? Would it matter? Would they come in and say, well, you know, that the music was great and the preaching was great. I'm definitely coming back next week. I don't think so. Uh, we need those great, welcoming, friendly uh, greeters and ushers who are there to do that. All of those rules are very, very important. And this is something that we have to 
remind ourselves. Because sometimes we think there's a hierarchy. There are the really important roles, and then there are the kind of the minor roles that really don't matter that much. Now, this is not enough uh, for it to be just my opinion, because I could be just saying this to encourage more people to be getting involved. This could be just my opinion. We need to look at what the scriptures actually say, and that's what we're going to take a look at in this passage from Luke chapter 8. And so this passage starts off by telling us that Jesus was going around preaching the good news, preaching the gospel. And what was the gospel that he was preaching? The preaching of the gospel was that the kingdom of God had come. It had come in the ministry of Jesus. What is the kingdom of God? It is God reigning in his people. People who are listening to him, who are obedient to him, who are serving him. That is what the kingdom of God is. And so we're told that Jesus didn't do this by himself, although he certainly could have. He had all of the natural ability to do this by himself. He didn't have to have any of these people. But he chose to have certain people. And we're told that he was traveling with the Twelve. And we're not giving a a lot of details here about the Twelve at this point, but we have been given their names earlier in the gospel. And these are the the 12 apostles. Now there was disciples beyond the 12, but there was a certain group of 12 that he spent more time with and really poured himself into those 12. And so they're the people that we think of as being uh, the, the followers of Jesus. But there was more than just the 12. There was also this group of women. And this is where I want to spend a little bit of time because We might look at the followers of Jesus and say the 12. They're the ones who really counted. They had the special rule. And then we'll tag on a few women uh, on the end here. That's not really what we see in this passage. Because if you notice, the 12, their names aren't given. There's nothing said about them here other than that the 12 were with them. We're given more detail here about the women than we are about the twelve. We're actually given their names. In fact, we, we know more about these three women than we know about many of the twelve. A lot of the twelve are just names for us, and yet we're told some details here. We're told about Mary Magdalene, who's probably the most famous of them. Uh, Magdalene isn't her last name. It's where she's from. And the reason they're given that is uh, Mary is the most common name for Jewish people at this time. I've actually seen a list of all the known female names, and it's something like two-thirds of the women were named Mary. Uh, It's just absolutely incredible. So she's known as Mary Magdalene. Now, Uh, If I was to ask you, what do you know about Mary Magdalene? Probably someone here would say, well, we know that she was a prostitute. And I would tell you, no, she was not a prostitute. That is something that has been made up. Uh, If you go back and watch a bunch of Jesus movies, I guarantee you they will have her as an ex-prostitute. But the Gospels never say that about her. Never. Uh, What happened was, uh, at some point in church tradition... They took the stories of Mary Magdalene and a couple of other nameless women who were in the Gospels and just combined them all into this great story of this woman uh, who gave up this life of prostitution and followed Jesus. But it's taking different women and putting them together. I remember hearing an interview with a, a biblical scholar who was called to be a part of this Jesus movie and to give them uh, advice. And so they're planning all this backstory about Mary Magdalene and, uh, and her life of prostitution. And the Bible scholars say, you can't do it. 
And the, the, uh, the director was really struggling because it's a great story. It just sounds so good, but it's not true. What we do know is that she, uh, evil spirits were cast out of her, and she was a thankful woman who cared about Jesus and supported him. We're also told that there was a, a woman named Joanna, and uh, her husband was the steward of King Herod. And so that made her uh, have a very special role. She definitely would have been from a wealthy family, very influential. I don't know what her husband thought about uh, her following Jesus, but she indeed did follow Jesus. And then we're told about uh, Susanna as well. And so these women are giving of their wealth. Uh, it's not often that women have a lot of independent wealth, but when they do, they are very influential. And so, we, even though we might think of the 12 as being the most important, they're not going to be eating just by the 12 doing their thing. Basically, the 12 are just following around Jesus, looking at what he's doing, usually saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. But these women are coming along And they're paying for meals. They're making sure that there is a place for them to stay. They are providing for their physical needs. But it's not about that the women are more important than the 12. What's important is there's all kinds of people involved here in the ministry of Jesus. You have uh, fishermen and tax collectors among the 12. You have these influential women who have some money. All of them together are supporting the ministry of Jesus. Jesus determined that all of them, that there was going to be diversity among them. It's not about one being more important than the other. Together, they are working for the kingdom of God. And because they're obedient to what God is calling them to, they are living out the kingdom of God. So this is very important, and this is something that we can find applicable to our experience as a church. And so I want to ask again, what does a successful church look like? How do we know that a church is being effective and is successful? Well, we might think uh, a lot of people, you know, if we can fill the pews, then we are a successful church. Uh, It would be how much money is going in the offering plate. If I had to get up on a Sunday morning and say, you know what, everyone has got to cut their offering by half because we've got too much money coming in. We don't know what we're going to spend on. Just by the way, that's not the case, so don't, uh, don't listen too hard to that one. But you might think of that and say, that is a successful uh, church. Or we might say the church that has the most up-to-date building with the, uh, the best gymnasium and all of the, the different things that we would possibly want. But I would say that none of those things are actually what a successful church looks like. A successful church is not about the numbers, whether of people or of money, but a successful church is about all of the people working together in the way that God has called them. And this is what we see in this passage, that the apostles had a certain role. They had certain backgrounds, and they were used in that way. The women had certain backgrounds, they had certain resources, and they used it in that way. And that is exactly what we need in our congregation. We need everyone working according to their gifts. Now, I want to make it clear, I'm not saying I want everyone to do more, 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 and more. Because there are certain people in this congregation who are doing more than they should be. Uh, And... And so I'm thankful for their their dedication and the hard work that they do. 
But what we need is everyone working together. Uh, it's often said that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And that's true in every congregation and most, uh, most organizations as well. And a, a church that is following the example of Jesus is one in which everyone works together according to their gifts. But the key here is that we don't compare. It's not about uh, you sitting in the, in the pew and uh, looking at Alan on piano and thinking, okay, well, uh, obviously he's doing something good, so I guess I have to go get piano lessons and I have to do exactly what Alan is doing. It's not about that. I would want you to think about what are the gifts and the resources that God has given to you? Do you have skill in a certain area? Do you have ability? Do you have a passion uh, to work in a certain way? Uh, Do you have a passion for international students? Do you have a a passion for the downtown poor? Uh, What is your passion? What are the the, uh, resources that you have? Uh, You might be quite wealthy. You have a job in which uh, you have uh, more money coming in than you really need to spend. And so you can invest financially in what is happening in the church. You might be retired and you have lots of time and you're thinking, what am I going to do with my time? There's only so much Netflix that I can watch. Well, we can use that time. There is always a need for something, even for people just to be present at some of these ministries. All of these things are important. You are to look at what you are gifted at, not what the other person is gifted at. And other areas of society, they understand this principle. Can you imagine a hockey team? where they pull aside the goalie and say, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to let you go go because you have not scored enough goals. Well, of course he hasn't scored goals. He's, he's the goalie. He's not in that position. That's not his role. His role is to stop the other team from scoring goals on them. But we would never say that a goalie has not measured up because they haven't scored the same amount of goals as the forward. Uh, it's also true in the business world. I used to work at a warehouse And in that warehouse, we needed the marketing department, but we also needed the receiving department, and we needed the shipping department, and we needed the people who were picking the orders and and sending them off. We needed all of us together, but we couldn't just shut down the shipping department and say, you know what, receiving is where it's at, and that's all we're going to do. We had to do all of the roles, and that's what we need in our church as well. We need everyone active in some way. The church needs you. You cannot look at your age and say you are too young to be used. You cannot look at your age and say that you are too old to be used. You can't look at your health and say, well, I am too sick to be used. Everyone has a role in some way. It's just about adjusting it according to where God has placed you right at this moment. Jesus is the greatest leader who ever lived. If we want to learn, we need to look at what Jesus did, how he led, how he used different people. When he traveled around preaching the gospel, he used the 12, this group of men who came from different backgrounds, and he used them in a certain way. He brought together a group of women who happened to have some financial resources that were important for him to continue the ministry that he had. It is the same thing for 
our experience as a congregation. Uh, I am thankful for the, the staff that we have here, uh, that they have uh, gifts that I don't have and that together we can uh, fill in the blanks and, and, and uh, support each other. But it's not just about paid staff. It's about all of us as a congregation, whether you are a member or, or a regular attender. We need you. The church needs you. And I want you to pray and to ask what is it that you should be doing? Again, I'm not trying to use up all of your time. I'm not trying to burn you out. I don't want to do any of those things. I want you to find what you are passionate about and what God has gifted you for, and I want to see you operating in those gifts. Let us pray. God, I thank you for each one of us that we have a role And that one person is not more important than another. That one role is not more important than another role. God, we pray that you would speak to each one of us. And you would help us to know what our role is in this congregation. And Lord, as we experience changes in our life, as we get older, or maybe our our health is not what it once was, Help us in those transitions to find out what our new role is, but that we would never feel that we have come to a place where our time is done. I pray, Lord, that you would speak clearly to us all. In Christ's name, amen.